So we are, I'm speaking on Easter, and before I start, I'm going to let Matet um, uh, read. We're still in John chapter 19, starting from verse 38. Jesus is... Jesus is buried. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave, gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, but 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloth with, a with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and, he do, and, we, don't know, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there, sorry, and the face cloth with which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with a linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that we must rise from the dead. Then the disciple went back to their homes. Thank you, Matet. So, I first have to, let's see, is that okay? Can you hear me at the back, even without the microphone? Yes, good. I, I first have to thank those who've been praying for me. Um, some of you know that this has not been an easy time leading the church continues uh, to be a, a burden and that's uh, one I struggle with. 
it is by God's grace that I'm able to do this. And um, whilst not finding it easy, I know that it's been a privilege to, to serve God and serve you in this capacity uh, at this testing time for all of us. Uh, I feel that Easter, especially I feel this, this was difficult. And it should be, it's primarily because it should be the easiest time to, to give a sermon, to share the faith that we have, to speak about the joys of the relationship that we have, that I have with God, and that Jesus enables me to have that. But I have found it difficult because it's in some ways it's far easier to dig into uh, and uh, expound a passage, to dig into the text and to unwrap the meaning and application of a less familiar passage. In some ways, that's application. Uh, in some case, uh, that's quite academic, intellectual. But then learning uh, and using anecdotes to apply that to our lives, I find much easier than coming to a very familiar passage, one that we know, and preach on that. There's always the danger with a familiar passage, and, and this is a familiar passage, isn't it? That those become meaningless to us. Noise that we've heard before and just wash over us. I'm sure that even without the Bible, all of us could give a good account of the happenings of Easter. And so I hope this doesn't happen today. And I'm going to trust that God speaks through me and that his spirit is here working in each of us. Helping us to listen and working in us to change us. Now, my opening question is a, is a somber one. Do you remember the last funeral that you were at? What was the atmosphere like? Was it grand, expensive, or was it a small private affair? Was it mournful? Was it formal? Or was it joyful, celebratory even? In British culture, a funeral is generally formal. We wear black suits and black ties. We sing solemn hymns and the word, words are appropriately reverent and meaningful. In the first century, the Jews would have taken it one step further. They paid mourners, professional mourners to come wailing and weeping and tearing their clothes. That seems, uh, might seem a little bit uh, ridiculous to us, to a little bit fake and pretentious. But if we think about the wearing of expensive uh, suits, black ties, having expensive flowers, I hear that you know, uh, funerals can be incredibly expensive nowadays. Coffins, gravestones, and all the formality of the, uh, of the ceremony. Isn't that something similar? In Ireland, the tradition I hear haven't been to one yet. I wish I, I can. Well, it's a terrible thing to wish to go to a funeral, but uh, that they have uh, what is called a wake. And it's supposed to be a joyous affair. 
remembering the great things about the life of the deceased. I like this idea. I hope that when it comes to my funeral and death, yes, it does come to us all, that my life can be celebrated like this. It's supposed to be a time of telling tales, upbeat songs, dancing and laughter. And probably uh, quite a bit of drunken revelry. Don't do that at my funeral. But uh, yes, knowing the Irish, quite a bit of drinking. As many of you know, I am pretty active on social media, especially during this last year of lockdown. Uh, it can be encouraging to, to me to use the internet to encourage younger Christians. It's very easy to find uh, forums for Christians uh, and even to evangelize. Quite often on these forums, non-Christians uh, wander onto these and, and find, um, and it is a, a useful place to tell them the gospel. And even for younger Christians who uh, unfortunately have a, a woeful lack of Bible understanding and understanding of the gospel. On a particular Facebook group, I came across a, a familiar discussion, and I think I've had the discussion with one or two people here, about whether we should celebrate Easter at all. The main thread started with saying, what a terrible thing it is for the Christian parents are letting their children participate in Easter egg hunts, and that it was pagan. Another agreed and said that Easter is a pagan festival and that instead we should be celebrating Pentecost. And so the arguments went on. It does sadden me firstly, as I said before, how ill-informed Christians can be uh, on the internet, but also especially how ungentle they can be, how uh, rude and how, uh, how much they can attack each other on the internet when talking to each other. Thankfully, this argument didn't descend into name-calling and ungodliness, but it certainly could have been more loving. Personally, I don't mind children hunting for chocolate eggs, so don't you know, think I'm you know, having a go at you there. And I know it's a pagan symbol for fertility, but as long as the greater message of, uh, of Easter Jesus' salvation through a substitutionary sacrifice is taught faithfully to the children. I think it's fairly harmless, and I'm happy for you afterwards, if you disagree with me, to come and tell me that. You know, I'm sure that some people will. Um, but I would rather they... Um, well, uh, but I as I said, I think it's fairly harmless, and, and if you... Yeah, if you think that we should do away with that, then probably we should do away with Christmas trees and even exchanging gifts, because those, those were ideas stolen from, uh, from pagan rituals as well. And they were stolen because they were designed to help pagans ease into celebrating Christian things rather than falling back into their pagan roots. The bunnies lay chocolate eggs. I think I have a more a mild aversion to just because bunnies laying eggs and them being chocolate is a very strange concept. Uh, but uh, I haven't really heard any 
parents or children saying that that was an issue in their children. And uh, unlike hearing about, actually, wait, uh, parents at home, especially if you've got young children, you might want to cover their ears. Little children, you might want to cover your ears. Uh, I hear more of people having an issue with hearing about Santa's not real. So you can uncover your ears now, uncover their ears. But at Easter, this should be the celebration. This should be the pinnacle of the Christian calendar. I said this at Christmas. This should be what we look forward to all year. At Christmas, I, I find it really difficult because they start the Christmas carols and the Christmas decorations sometimes all the way back in October. And so you have two whole months, sometimes even three months, they start selling the Christmas decorations dedicated to Christmas. And of course, it's about the, the, the present selling. But as Christians, the focal point of our calendar should be Easter. And we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, the resurrection that's understandable, isn't it? That's life. That's Jesus coming to life. That's you know, from death to life. How wonderful is that? What a great and amazing miracle that is. But his, his death, it's a bit grim, isn't it? People will look on at Christians and think, are they a cult of death? In the Middle Ages, they said that Christianity, they, they said to, about Christians that we drank blood and we ate flesh. And that is, again, pretty grim, isn't it? We'll, we won't be doing that later. We'll be you know, celebrating Jesus' death through the bread and wine to remember Jesus' death, as the Bible says. And some will say, well, do we celebrate Jesus' death? And I would say, yes, we do. Have a look at what the central symbol of Christianity is. It's everywhere, isn't it? It's the cross. We wear crosses. So I wear a cross given to me by a friend for my baptism. Above Rio de Janeiro, there is a 30 meter high and on a hill, so it's even higher, towering Jesus with his arms held out, being crucified. And so many locations and churches around the world, we see Jesus's, Jesus uh, being crucified, we see crosses. And what did we sing about this morning? The focus of so many songs, rightly, is the cross. Not only mournful, but celebratory, joyful singing about the cross. And what is it when we, we cling to as Christians, or what is it we should cling to in our darkest moments? What is it we should meditate upon? 
and take greatest comfort from. It should be this, Jesus dying that he might save us. History builds from this moment, from uh, to, sorry, history builds to this moment. And then from this moment, you look at the dates. Before Christ and O Domini, from the, the year of our Lord, from Christ. From Genesis 3, where God says to Eve that her offspring shall crush the serpent's head. The serpent which brings death. Jesus has crushed its head at this point. And then through all of the prophecies of Christ to come, we read at the beginning the, the prophecy from Isaiah, the one who would be beaten and mocked and killed. In the passage earlier that we read, John 19, verse 30, Jesus says these simple words, it is finished. At that moment in history, Jesus fulfills all of the prophecies. He is the focal point that all that God has been doing, building towards this point. I've talked about this before, that not long after Jesus' death, the Roman Empire, it's coincidence, isn't it? It's, it? It coincides with the conversion of the Emperor Constantine and Christianity spreads like wildfire. Is that coincidence? Some might say that that is coincidence. Others who believe in the creator God know that that is not coincidence. This is the God who created humans and who, who, if we have some understanding of the science behind this human body, understand how amazing it is. And about creation, have a look at nature, how perfectly in balance it should be at times. It still is perfectly in balance. And the, the planets moving around the sun, how perfectly in balance those are. We wonder that those of us who understand that the creator God know that he is behind that and that he was working in history to spread the news about Jesus's death and this relationship that we can have with him. There are those who call themselves Christians who deny Jesus's death or are embarrassed about Jesus's death. If they deny Jesus' death, I know it's God's place to judge, but they are not Christians. It's in the word, Christ. If they do not, if they deny Jesus' death, they deny that they are, their sins are forgiven. So we celebrate that death, where all our sins were laid on him. It's a sobering truth, one that the proud cannot abide. 
I've heard of many who have come into church and this is the offensive uh, message. They have left the church because of this. I don't need someone to die for my sins. I don't, you know, I'm no worse or no more evil than any of you. How can you judge me? Well, we're not, are we? It is God and the perfection of Jesus that judges us. That without this, our sin is not paid for. Our selfishness, our greed, our arrogance. We can do nothing to restore our relationship with God except, uh, except to accept that Jesus has taken the punishment for us. I once sat in a seminar uh, where the Christian speaker was explaining the difference uh, and, uh, between atonement and propitiation, explaining the meaning and explaining how important it was, it was for us to know the difference. Those are big words, atonement and propitiation. I have to say, I didn't agree. I think this is rubbish. And, and you know, those of you who are in the church, those of you who know, uh, you have been in my Bible studies, you know that I believe in reading and understanding the word of God. And that is incredibly important. It is incredibly challenging to read the word hurtfully refining and yet joyfully liberating at the same time but this going into this uh meaning and words behind atonement appropriation is it essential no because the message of the gospel is so simple jesus came and died in my place. Jesus took the punishment for my sin, my wrongdoing, my rebellion against God, my selfishness and greed, the punishment that we deserve, that I deserve, for my lust and my jealousy and my laziness, even my maliciousness, and callousness, he took it and hung it there on the cross. And he set me free. He set you free if you are a Christian. He has set you free. Do you see how ridiculous it is to deny Jesus' death? How wrong it is, and especially for those who teach. God will judge them so much more harshly. Those who are embarrassed, those who deny Jesus' death. And with a cry, Jesus said, it is finished. He had completed the work. And that's why we celebrate. And the resurrection well, it's confirmation of that death, that work finished. It's life as well. That's why an egg is actually a, a, an appropriate symbol, because it's a symbol of life. 
all these trappings about Easter, young chicks, cute young chicks, and green leaves and spring, that's appropriate for Easter. Scholars believe that Jesus' resurrection happened on the 5th of April. Today is the 4th, which makes this date wholly appropriate for celebrating Easter. And I know that Easter changes each year because it's according to the lunar calendar, another vestige of the, the, the pagan origins. But it is appropriate that we celebrate Easter at this time. Regardless of whether we stole it from a, 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 its pagan origins from a pagan festival, the spring solstice, it is wholly appropriate that we celebrate Jesus, Jesus' death and his resurrection. Jesus is alive. The stone was rolled away. He has conquered death. The victory is one. So, what does this mean for us? This means that we can now look forward with confidence, knowing that death has been conquered, knowing that we are cleansed of sins. If we claim Jesus' death as our own, hurtful to our pride, knowing that we can't do anything, Pride is the big killer. Death has been defeated. And as I said, this should lead us to humility. As we look at the cross, we should be driven to our knees in humility. We have done nothing to accomplish this. And for those who have not yet heard, we should bear nothing but love and pity and a longing to bring them into the kingdom. If you have not uh, gained a relationship with Christ, if you are yet to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, can I encourage you to look into these things Talk to a Christian, read the Bible, find out the truth, because if this is true, this has consequences for eternity. But for those of us who do believe, I would encourage you to continue reaching out with love and gentleness to those who do not believe. Let me pray. Father, help us to understand more and more how central your cross is. How deep and how wide your love is and the depth of everything that you've done for us. But also how simple the gospel is. Let us not be afraid to go out and preach your gospel to those who have not heard, to preach your death and resurrection and the greatness of that and the joy of that and the peace of that and the promise of eternity. 
Lord, we know that you are, your spirit is working in those who have yet to hear and that you have prepared their hearts. So it is not our work. This is your work. So make us unafraid to preach your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.